Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I told you the book of Nehemiah is a great storybook with many, many, many great lessons. The book divides easily and nicely into two sections. You take your notes. Chapters 1 through 6 are the reconstructing of the walls. Chapters 7 through 13 is the reconstructing of the people. Uh, so far, we've covered five chapters. Uh, if you've been with us, you know that Nehemiah heard the walls of Jerusalem were torn down and the gates were burned. Chapter 2, Nehemiah wept and he prayed and then he asked his boss if he could go to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. The king agreed and Nehemiah and an army of soldiers went to Jerusalem. And the first order of business was to position men on the wall to begin building. And the Bible says that they had a trowel in one hand. Anybody know what was in the other? And a sword in the other. Love that. And while they were busy building the enemies, Sambalot and Tobiah were seeking to distract and hinder and cause doubt and unbelief. And I told you before that when Nehemiah comes back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, that he quickly learns it's a lot harder rebuilding people. Nehemiah learns Jerusalem is more than stone and mortar and walls. Jerusalem is an institution. Are you listening? Jerusalem is, a, is, is the city of the great king. Jerusalem has a spiritual legacy and a spiritual future. Jerusalem will be the center of world politics in the end times. So Nehemiah comes to rebuild the walls and he realizes that the people need to be be rebuilt. Why? Because the last time, if you were with us, you know I told you that during the 70 years of Babylonian captivity, the people learned uh, Babylonian ways. And they learn Babylonian culture and they learn to even think like Babylonians. And they have been affected and, might I say, infected by the Babylonian way of living. And I told you, remember I mentioned this the last time, that they left Babylon, but Babylon didn't leave them. So Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem and there's rubble and there's devastation everywhere. And at this time, there wasn't enough food and resources to go around. The ground hadn't been tilled They couldn't until other things were done first. And the financial infrastructure was already on shaky ground. So people were robbing Peter to pay Paul in chapter 5. They were borrowing money to pay bills and live. Chapter 5, we saw people were borrowing money and the lenders were taking advantage of the borrower. Were you with me in chapter 5? Who was here in chapter 5? Raise your hand nice and high. I need to see who I'm talking to. Okay, so that's most of you. You know. Really great chapter as we talked about division within. 
The lenders were taking advantage of the borrowers and it was uh, charging crazy interest and putting people in financial bondage. And then when people couldn't pay, they were taking their brothers and their sisters and their men and women and children into slavery, remember? And needless to say, this was causing problems among the people. So in chapter 5, Nehemiah has to deal with gossip and complaining and backbiting. And Nehemiah has to put down his hard hat to set things in order because this lending and borrowing situation was against God's law. It was against God's word. Are you listening? Deuteronomy chapter 23 tells us that. And Leviticus chapter 25 also forbids this type of behavior. And so I told you, as we've been going through chapter, uh, through these chapters, at chapter 4, 5, and 6, we see the struggle the Jewish people faced while they were trying to build the walls. In chapter 4, the struggle was in the area of discouragement. Chapter 5, the struggle was in the area of division. You getting this? Chapter 4, discouragement. Chapter 5, division. In chapter 6, the struggle is in the area of distraction. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. The distraction comes in three ways. I'll give you an outline that we're going to work from tonight. First of all, isolation. We're going to find that in verses 1 through 4. Isolation. And then secondly, insinuation. I love this chapter. Insinuation in verses 5 through 9. And then finally, in verses 10 through 19, intimidation. The distraction comes in three ways, isolation, insinuation, and intimidation. I've titled this sermon, How to Deal with Distractions. Nehemiah chapter 6, saints, we pick up in verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. Amen. Now it happened, some of y'all ain't looking. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. Now it happened when Sambalot and Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors in the gates, that Sambalot and Geshem sent to me saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work. Underline that. I am doing a great work so that I could not, cannot come down. Why should the work of God cease while I leave it and go down and talk to you? And when they sent me this message four times, did you get that? They sent the message four times and I answered them in the same manner. Then Sambalot, we'll read a little more and then I'll come back. Then Sambalot sent his servant to me as before the fifth time. Oh, these guys are relentless. With an open letter this time in his hand and in it was written, in the letter was written, it is reported among the nations and Geshem says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. So come, therefore, and let us consult together. And then I sent to him, saying, 
No such thing as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they all were trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Point number one in our outline, isolation, just by a show of hands, how many have started a project and didn't finish it? Some of y'all ain't telling the truth. I'm going to keep my hand right up here till you decide you're in church and you need to tell the truth. You start a project, you haven't finished it. Well, Nehemiah, listen, he wasn't like that. You know the story. Nehemiah came to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. And at this point in chapter six, did you get that? The walls are complete. And the only thing left to do is to hang the gates, gates which is still a pretty big job. Because remember, uh, were you with me in chapter three? Um, how many gates were there? Did I tell you in chapter three? Very good. I'm surprised you guys listen. Cha- right. Very good. Twelve. I'm shocked. I'm, I'm speechless. Uh, I didn't think anybody would remember. Twelve. There are a total of 12 gates and in chapter three. And the reason why I think that's really good that you remember, because I told you that in chapter three, only 10 of those gates are mentioned. And then we have another two gates mentioned later on in the book of Nehemiah. But there are a total of 12 gates and these gates are heavy and they're huge and they're sturdy gates to hang. But the walls are done. Verse 1 tells us that Sambalot and Tobiah and the rest of the haters heard that the walls were complete. Mm-hmm. We'll refer to them as haters from the rest of, for the rest of the evening, okay? They heard that the walls were complete, although they still needed to hang the gates. Now, we haven't heard from Sambalot and Tobiah in two weeks. Sambalot, remember, he's a Hornite, and his name means strength. Tobiah is an Ammonite, and his name means the goodness of Jehovah. Verse 2 tells us that Sambalot and Tobiah and an Arab by the name of Geshem sent a message to Nehemiah to come or literally to come down. And the reason why I'm telling you literally, listen to me, the reason why I'm telling you literally to come down, because you never go in any other direction from Jerusalem, but down, because Jerusalem is always up. I don't care where you are in the country. Jerusalem is always referred to as up, no matter where you are. So they are trying to encourage Nehemiah to come down to the plain of Ono. I get the impression there's an urgency for Sambalot and Tobiah. They've got to stop the completion of the project is now or never. So they said, Nehemiah, let's have a meeting in the plain of Ono. In verse three, Nehemiah sent messengers to them saying, oh, no. Not going to do it. I worked on that all day. (laughs) That was good, wasn't it? Oh, no. Not going to do it. It's not going to happen. I'm doing a great work so I cannot come. Now, listen. Memory verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. I have it for you on the screen. It says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, Somebody read the rest with me. For we are not ignorant of his devices. 
We are not ignorant of Satan's devices, and you ought to remember that verse. They've been trying to stop the work since it started, and so far they've been unsuccessful. So now the tactic is, if we can't stop them, let's seek to distract them. Let's meet together in a place called Ono. Now to me, that sounds like let's have a meeting in a place called the Valley of Destruction. Or let's have a meeting in a place called the Meadow of Ambush. That's what it sounds like to me. Do I need to tell you when the enemy wants to meet with you and have lunch with you in a place called Ono, you just say, oh no, there you go. You just say, oh no. The tactic here is isolation. The distraction is isolation. Let's meet away from the others and away from the work in the plane of oh no. Now, oh no was a beautiful resort kind of place. It was approximately 20 miles from Jerusalem near Samaria, which is Sambalot's hometown. The plain of Ono was on the seacoast of Gaza. It was a neutral area. In the Hebrew language, this plain of Ono, listen at this, has the sense of strength, but it's in the negative, in the sense of bringing down or taking from. So the idea is there's a strength in the negative. Actually, the word Ono means grief. In other words, if we can get Nehemiah isolated, we'll be stronger in that position. Nehemiah felt grief in his spirit that they were trying to harm him. Did you get that? He even said, but they thought to do me harm. So the tactic is, if you can't beat them, join them. These guys seem to be taking a different approach at Nehemiah. They were mocking and laughing and taunting and threatening, and now they're talking uh, and, and being friendly. They're taking a friendly position. Let's meet for lunch. But think about it. They're asking Nehemiah to take time away from something that God has called him to do. That's nonsense. Stop doing what you're doing, Nehemiah. Come down to, oh, no. The enemy is saying, hey, step back from what you're doing for God and what God called you to do, and let's talk about it. Let's have some discussion. You know, I've seen this, and I've experienced it actually over and over and over again, even in my ministry. And perhaps you have too in your life as a Christian. Satan will throw roadblocks of any kind in your way to keep you distracted from doing what God has called you to do. Even so much as coming to church. How many times have you actually felt like there was like spiritual warfare or something was trying to hinder you from getting into the house of God? I have felt that, I don't know how many, it's almost weekly. I mean, I really mean that, it's almost weekly. Something that tries to hinder me from my study time. Something that's trying to hinder me from my prayer time. Something that's trying to hinder me from my pulpit time. Uh, whether it be sickness or, or problems or situations, honestly, you have got to learn as a Christian to protect your time with the Lord. You do. And you I mean, honestly, if you're going to have a time of prayer, you got to go turn the phone off first. You got to go unplug the microwave, put the kids in the closet. You got to you got to do stuff to protect your time because Satan's going to use all of those things to distract you. You know, one of the reasons that I don't come out and talk to people, if you notice, I'm 
talking to people on the walkway and in the lobbies after service pretty much any given day, any given service. But before service, no, 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 no. Because before service, Satan will use somebody to say something that will just, huh? Or, or just something that, oh man, this happened, this happened. Oh, I'm so sorry. And, and, you, and, and, and I'm a pastor and my heart is going to hurt and, and I'm going to be burdened by that. And then I'm going to come to the pulpit with that. And my mind may be there versus here. You got to protect your time. Not only as a pastor, but as a Christian. You got to watch those roadblocks that Satan's going to throw in your way. He'll use anything. He'll use people. He used Judas to try to, uh, to, to, to turn his back on Jesus and stumble him that way. And he used Peter to try to keep Jesus from going across. Oh, no, 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 you can't. No, you're not going across. And Jesus said, Peter, get thee behind me. You don't know what you're saying. He'll use anything and anybody. He'll use people. He'll use division in the church. He'll use gossip. He'll use discord, all kinds of schemes. We are not ignorant of Satan's devices, are we? Or are we? The Bible is very, very clear about the tactics of the enemy and the schemes of the enemy and the distractions that try to keep you from staying focused on what God has called you to do. And I'd be honest and say, you know what? I always have to be on guard against distractions in the ministry because even things of the ministry can be a distraction from the ministry. In other words, people come to me all the time with wonderful ideas. Sometimes with various programs, you know, I mentioned this thing tonight I'm about the men and boys day out. And I told you I don't come to you very often with very many things because I just don't feel like I, I, I should. But I also feel that, you know, sometime um, people bring me things or talk to me about things or we should be involved in this or we should be involved in that or we should get involved in this and we should get involved in that. And some of those things are actually a distraction from ministry. So, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've mentioned, okay, we're going to do a building project or in the many phases, in the many phases that we've had even in this church and we're going to expand the sanctuary or do the youth ministry and somebody comes up to me and says, hey, you know, well, this thing and this program and, you know, if you, if you were to get the people to, to buy into this or get the people to bank at this bank, then all the percentages from each person that, that signs up at this bank can go back to the church. Or if you get the people to get involved in this thing, then, then they'll make money, but the church will also get a percentage of that. Don't get me wrong. What you do in your personal life and how you handle your own personal finance, that's what's just between you and the Lord. But I have to take all of these things to God in prayer because some of those things are just a distraction from the ministry. Some of those things are, in a sense, I feel, and, 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 and I could feel differently later, but this is how I felt many, many times, that when it comes to building the kingdom of God, that God wants his people to rally together and to build the kingdom of God. God doesn't want us to like go, you know, do this and that program and this scheme and that thing and this thing and that thing so that we can, you know, gather monies to, to build the kingdom. Uh, and, 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 and then in the end of the the building, who can we say gets the glory for the great things that he has done? 
We have to be careful. That's all I'm saying. We just have to be careful. And, and we have to watch how we are conducting ourselves so that in the end, when the building is built and the thing is done and, 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 and the gates are, are, are hung, that we can say to God, be the glory, great things he hath done. No man has done this. Am I right? No man has done this. And I don't know how it's going to get done. I really don't. I never know. I told you about the one guy who wanted to talk to me in our conversation. He asked me, well, he told me he was upset with me because I didn't know. He didn't think he, he said, I just don't think you know what you're doing. And I said to him, duh. I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't. I really don't. Listen, I'm going to put it out there and settle it for you, okay? I do not know what I'm doing. Y'all like, wow. <laughs> I don't, but you know what you can count on? I am trusting the Holy Spirit day by day, week by week, month by month. I'm following God. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. For me, it's been working. It's been working for me. Just simply... God, I don't know. Today, I tried to take a break from doing this. I sat on my couch, and I'm looking at all that we have before us as a church, and I just started telling God and actually crying out to God, God, I don't know. I don't know how can that be done. That is monumental. How can that be done? Scared? No bit. But I know. That God has never, 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 never failed me. Amen. And that's what I do know. So when you don't know, you need to go back to what you do know. And what I do know is that God is faithful. Somebody say amen. And what I do know that God, oh, wait while you clap your hands there. I guess I will. You go back to what you do know. God is faithful and God won't lead you down a path. And, and God has not brought us this far to leave us now. That I do know. And so I go back to that. Even though I don't know. Even though, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And many. Many have stood against the work of God. I have had my share of Sambalots and Tobias. I have. But I'll tell you something. God has used it to make me better. I'm better. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. I'm better. And I realize that God uses things. Somebody need to hear this. God uses the bad situations in your life because God's trying to work in you, not them. And you're like, oh, God, get them. Watch, Nehemiah's the same way. I mean, you know, Nehemiah's the same way. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. It's right here in the Bible. Nehemiah is the same way. God, get them. But God's trying to work in you. And you think God's trying to work in them. Are y'all listening? 
God's trying to do a work in you. You better open your eyes and see what God's trying to say to you and stop trying to worry about what God's doing in them. Because in the end, you have God to stand before. You have to be accountable to God for what God has called you to do. Nehemiah said, why should I leave this great work to come down there and talk to you, especially in a restaurant called Oh No? I'm not going to do it. And Nehemiah said, and I know that you want to hurt me. I know that you're trying to harm me. I know that you don't mean things for my good. They're seeking to isolate Nehemiah to the plane of, oh, no. Satan will seek to isolate you. And that's why we've been talking about in Hebrews chapter 10, 25. Write it down. Don't forsake to assemble yourselves together. You know that verse. But Nehemiah doesn't get distracted because of discernment. Discernment is critical in the life of the believer and the leader. And without discernment, you're dead. And usually you're going to make the wrong decision. Did you hear that? Without discernment, you're dead and you're going to make the wrong decision. Now, what is discernment? Well, here's a clear definition, a good clear definition of discernment. Discernment is the ability to judge things and see things as God sees them. Isn't that simple, clear? Discernment is the ability to judge things and see things as God sees them. I think of 1 Samuel and reminded of 1 Samuel 16, 7, for the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward, but God looks at the what? The heart. Do you know that? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.